Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org heart. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Permalee began her career at Tom Ford Beauty in global communications, supporting the launch of their first cosmetics line in 2010. During her five-year tenure with the global PR team, she led digital PR for cosmetics and fragrance, planned global events, and worked closely with Tom Ford International to develop their strategy for their social media initiatives. She led the first influencer marketing campaign for the brand, and eager to do more, left to build a business in the space. A native New Yorker raised in the Hudson Valley, Permalee graduated with a BA in English Lit from the University of Virginia. Dividing time between London and their New York offices, Permalee is based here in NYC. All right, so welcome to the podcast this morning. We are so happy to have you with us. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, so we were chatting a little bit before we started recording. I would love for you to share just like how you even got to influencer marketing, your story, your journey, um, and how you arrived to where you are today. Great. Well, thank you so much. So I, right out of college, my first real job was doing global communications at Tom Ford Beauty, which is licensed to Estee Lauder. And my dad always said, actually, he said, I want you to work at Estee Lauder. It's a place that really respects women and treats women really well. So I'd interned there two summers during college. I really wanted to work there, but I graduated in 2009 and they were on a hiring freeze and the economy was terrible. But um, anyway, so when I did um, get in there and get my first job, I joined Tom Ford when it was like a tiny sort of startup phase and was in PR there for five years and saw, in kind of my fourth year there, really saw you know, got on Instagram, saw that this was the direction where there was so much going and there was so much opportunity for brands. And I really wanted to be a part of it. So I convinced them to do like a first influencer campaign. And we launched a collection of lipsticks called Lips and Boys that are all named after men, have men's names. So I came up with this idea to gift, do sort of strategic gifting. At the time, we didn't know what that was called. Um, to influencers who had men in their life who had those names. So like Poppy Delavine had just married a James and so-and-so had a Henry. And so I sent them with a little note and kind of like a hashtag <laughs> and they got picked up. They actually got people posted about it. So it was very exciting. But um, anyway, so I saw it. I was like, I really want to be a part of that. But Tom Ford was quite 
you know, is the brand and the person quite reluctant to, to get on board and like move in that? I mean, he's sort of the ultimate influencer. So I knew I wanted to sort of be in that space more. Um, and I'd been talking for a while to my friend, Ed. We were actually best friends from university. We went to UVA together. He was in the film industry. And he started promoting films he was doing using influencers. At that time, it was Vine, big Viners, YouTubers. But he had this idea to do like a database of them and bloggers. And he would ask me advice, like, how do you work with them on the brand side? What are you doing? And I remember the sort of big turning point was when Estee Lauder said they put out a sort of memo that we were now allowed to pay bloggers. And that was sort of the turning point. So we both said, this is really exciting. Could we ever do this together? Um, and then I took a big risk and left, and uh, we started this business. So we first, it was a little hard to leave a place like Tom Ford. Like, oh, you have this big name, Tom Ford. And um, anyway, it was a bit scary. It was just me in New York. It was Ed and then Tom, who's also in film in London. And I said, we have to have a niche. We can't just be sort of generalist. So I said, let's, we have, we had this crazy name, Billion Dollar Boy, that Ed had bought the URL for. And I said, let's help brands focus on targeting men. Because I knew it was much harder, actually, at the time. And so, and the first thing I did was I said, we need to rebrand, you know, we need to brand ourselves. So we hired this great um, graphic designer out of Bogota, Colombia, actually, who created this great logo, dynamic logo, and our whole kind of like image around Billion Dollar Boy. And we went and pitched to brands that said we were helping them target to reach men. And that got us in the door, really, which was great, of places like Clinique, Bonobos, Bentley. Um, and that was how we were able to start and then sort of expand largely from there. And then our first big client was L'Oreal Garnier, which was not men at all. And so from that, we sort of, luckily enough, grew and sort of do everything. Um, but it was, yeah, it was sort of a crazy beginning and, and a lot of um, that worked and then some sort of good luck. And now we've grown quite a bit and expanded quite a bit. But that was the, the origin. I don't know. You said it's a lot of luck. Like, I don't know how much I even believe in luck, to be honest. I would venture to say you're being very humble. <laughs> and I would venture to say that it was a lot of hard work and maybe a lot of other things, too. So... You know, so you guys, Billion Dollar Boy, has been around now for about five years, right? So about five years. I'm a business owner myself. There are a lot of people listening who also own their own businesses. Talk to us about um, the part of owning a business that you wish people had told you before you started your own. That's a very good question. One person did tell me, one sort of mentor told me, she said, you know, if you do this, you really have to do this. Like, this is going to be your whole life. And I think I underestimated that a bit. Um, it's funny, I recently got engaged, but I felt, I do feel like I was basically married to Billion Dollar Boy for about five years. <laughs> Still, it's another husband. Um, so I think, I think it is true that it is all consuming and you really have to put sort of your heart and soul into it. But um, it's also so rewarding. You, you want to, which is different from, I think, you know, especially because it's your own. I think Ed and I were actually talking last week. We said he actually thought maybe it's a problem that he gets most excited about our business. Like he doesn't, he feels like he's lost hobbies 
another thing. I said, you know, I feel like that sometimes too. Like there's nothing that quite excites me as much as this. Um, but it is, I wish someone had sort of warned me that it is, you know, this will be the priority of your life, 100%. I have experienced that as well. Um, and so, you know, I'm just all about getting real, right? And just like, because again, the, the realities of this are going to help everybody listening. Um, the, the realities are, again, like what I wish I had known yes. prior to starting a business. So dive into it. Get as specific as you can. Like what have been some of the, the struggles that you guys have triumphed over or some of the struggles that you're currently trying to triumph? Yes, for sure. I mean, I think it's learning to be told no a lot, which I had to which I struggle with. I think I take things like very personally. I'm more sort of like emotional, especially than I think my guy, you know, male found co-founders. Um, and so that was a big learning. It's like, oh, they don't say no. They don't like me or like, I'm not good enough or I don't know enough about this. So getting over that and saying, you know what, actually it's maybe it's not about me. Yes. And so how did you get over it? I mean, did you really get over that? Like, Or like, how have you worked to get over that? You're right. It's a work in progress for sure. Ed is a big support to me. And I think I, basically it's just sharing those feelings, I think is really helpful. Saying, like, hey, I feel like this, you know, like I'm so upset we didn't get this or that this person is like, I think, I think I messed this up. I think, so I think just actually just talking about it and having a support system that will listen um, is the most helpful. It's really interesting that you say that because um, I find that you know a lot of speaking about women in particular, generally speaking, we feel like we have to be so strong all the time. And I feel like a lot of I'll speak personally. I used to think that like strength equaled, you know, showing at the outside world that you are strong and a weakness would be like, oh, I'm really struggling with this. Like just saying that out loud or saying like. Oh, so disappointed that I heard no. I was so disappointed in this, that, and the other. But I feel like, especially if you're fortunate enough to have some co-founders or, you know, at the very least colleagues, um, they're probably feeling the same way. They're probably going through, feeling the same emotions that you're feeling. And so by having more of a shared experience versus keeping it all in, um, I can't imagine that it would be yeah. helpful. No, it's so true. I actually really don't know how people do it without a partner. It's really hard to be doing it on your own. I, I don't know if I could. It is so helpful to have other people because I think no one else really understands what it is like to. Um, but yeah, it is tough. And I think as a woman, as a woman and as women, um, there is that perception of that you don't want to let sort of emotions, you know, come through. And I think I struggle with that sometimes, you know, in front of our team, because sometimes I am, you know, disappointed or overwhelmed or frustrated. And I think I'm told often, you know, you can't show that to the team. Like, you have to be the strong leader. But I don't know. I wonder about that sometimes. Like, maybe, you know, they, they are feeling that too. And they, it's okay because, you know, they know you're just sort of showing how much you do actually care. So I still debate that, sort of struggle with that. Sure. And I, I would venture to say that they are feeling those same things. And, you know... You know, it's interesting because I think I, what I equate this to, I don't know if anyone else does, so maybe I'm maybe follow follow me with my train of thought here and how my brain works. But I equate this a little bit to like where influencer marketing is going. And what I mean by that is on social, it's a little less 
pretty these days and superficial these days and a little bit just more real and you can relate to it and it's full of honesty and like we all talk about authenticity but you know that's the stuff that I personally relate to and I always say like if I'm feeling something it's so likely that I'm not the only one that there are other people feeling it so it's interesting I wonder if just you know being brave enough to have that vulnerability um, with whether it's a co you know co-workers co-founders colleagues um, would just sort of make everyone feel like they can be more connected in some way yeah but I think you are totally right that it does relate to how influencer marketing has shifted I mean you think about the prevalence of now main feed to Instagram stories and now with TikTok and this less produced more honest content is much more engaging and being much more you know favorite I I don't know if you follow um Grace Atwood that influence yes but she her stories are hilarious and like trope rouge and they're so honest and they're so open and I find myself those are the stories I want to watch um and then when brands are part of it it is I you know I really do sort of believe her and, and she gives honest reviews um but yeah I think I think you know with that's definitely sort of the way content is going is less produced is you know is more sort of honest um and TikTok is a very interesting example recently that we've been exploring as an agency. So I have was literally talking about TikTok two nights ago with a whole bunch of people. Please, like, what has been your experience with TikTok? I'm so intrigued to hear. So we've recently, we've been in talks with the platform for a bit, and we've recently started to do strategies for a few brands, fashion, beauty, and I think it's incredibly exciting. I mean, to me, to look and see that these major brands like Adidas, American Eagle, have channels with no content yet feels like Instagram was in 2013, 14. I mean, I think it's a really exciting time. But it takes a bit of getting used to because it is so different. Um, you know, it's it's very... One positive, though, thing about it is it's incredibly upbeat. I mean, our creative director, who's one of the most sort of cynical and kind of like, she's a genius creatively, but even she was like, this is such a happy platform. Like, it's incredibly positive. It's a, um, and so, you know, if you can get through all these sort of copycat karaoke dancing, um, it, is, it is very interesting and very positive in a time where, you know, a lot of things are quite negative. So what have you seen in regards to like brand integrations? You're talking about Adidas, American Eagle, but they're not having any content yet. Um, have you seen brands really um, embrace uh, talent on TikTok? Yeah, I mean, you're not alone. I think everyone's really trying to figure it out right now. A lot of people don't know. Um, they have actually empty channels, but who's recently launched is uh, Ralph Lauren launched with the US Open. Um, some beauty brands like Too Faced partnered with TikTok quite early and they're doing some interesting things. EOS just announced that they're putting the majority of their spend away from Instagram to TikTok. Um, but really it's, you know, some the best sort of examples have actually not been fashion and beauty. They've been brands like Chipotle did a huge challenge. Um, Guest did actually quite a good one, everything is around these sort of viral hashtag challenges that can get people involved that aren't even sort of following 
we're interested in the brand per se, but get involved with this overall challenge concept. But it really is a bit of the Wild West, and, and we're all figuring out. It's very early stages, um, but it's an exciting it's an exciting opportunity for sure. I mean, anything, it's kind of what you're saying. It's like, oh, it's like reminiscent of like yeah. early Instagram. I mean, that alone is pretty exciting. Um, I feel like that's when the opportunity um, to really get the early stages in something that has the huge potential, like that's, that's the exciting, that's so exciting. So um, I need to explore it yeah, more for it sure. I will, I will. But um, talk to me more about, um, you know, your company and, you know, I love the branding, by the way. I love that you were talking specifically about the branding. It's a great name. Um, great branding. Um, and it's interesting because what I heard you say is, you know, you start pretty early on, it seems like you really focused on that. Um, and it even got you some business early on. Um, so not to be undervalued, you know, the branding of a company. Um, talk to me a little bit about that because I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by that alone. And then we'll talk about more. Sure. That process was really fun. So we first had this great name, I was initially worried that luxury brands might be put off by it, but actually, you know, we said, let's just go with this. So we knew we had this big, bold, brash name and we had to have branding that corresponded to it. So we were very lucky in that one of my best friend's sisters is an incredible graphic designer called 703 Design. And so I knew I wanted to bring her in, Um, but it was, we underestimated what a process the branding actually would be. We had hours going over, what is it really about our company? How are we, what's our mission? Because it was such early stages too. We even weren't sure, like, you know, what are we about? Like what, so it was a very long process. And then in the end, she came up with three different options, uh, which were so much fun to look at that were very different. And we weighed in, we got even my father, who in, was in advertising for a long time, involved, um, Ed's father, and we decided on this this look and are so happy with it because she sort of took that sort of cheekiness and sort of brashness of the name, but also made it kind of playful and not obnoxious, gave us these bold colors. And I think, to your point, it really has sort of played a big role in shaping the brand we are and company we are. And it's incredible how branding can really have that power. But everything we do, you know, our pitch decks are, that's that's what we're getting across. Um, and we're going to be focusing on it even more going forward. But, um, yeah, so it was a long sort of labor of love, but so worth it in the end. I think it also stands the test of time because that was four years ago. And it still feels fresh and, and fun. And I think it will be for a while. Um, and we wanted, we knew we wanted something dynamic with numbers rising. Like we had this name Billion. We were doing social media, which is all about likes, you know, hopefully sales. And so we wanted, we created this dynamic, she created this dynamic logo with rising numbers with the billion dollar boy, which is great. And then these sort of curious eyes that move around the page. Um, so it's a big part of our identity. Again, it's like dynamic. I mean, it's, it's, it's unique. It stands out. Um, there's certainly a connection to the the name, like you were saying, but it's not so obvious. Like hit yourself over the head with it too. So, um, no man, any way to like set yourself apart 
um, is key because whether it's, you know, people say influencers are oversaturated, but like influencer marketing, like there's another 10 companies popping up every single day. So to be in any way whatsoever to set yourself apart is so key. And so, you know, I'll state the obvious to me, at least it's like, okay, so you're a co-founder of a company called Billion Dollar Boy. Um, you know, were there any conversations about, I mean, you got the name, right? Like they got the URL. Um, but you know, you were talking about, you know, Tom Ford, um, you're talking about, you know, working with some men's focused brands historically. Um, so is that ever a struggle in regards to branding now with the name and how does the name in, uh, affect, uh, inquiries and, and just conversations that you're having? No, it's a really good question. Um, Luckily, the initials are BDB, which is which is what we're sort of affectionately known as. I wonder if it's easy to remember, which is great. You know, the beauty fashion brands um, we've been working with have not, they seem to just think it's funny and, and like it and not sort of go into it. And maybe also luckily, because I'm behind it as well, it's not just, you know, a group of men. Um, but luckily, it's been, it's been more of a positive. And so I think that's, you know, a very interesting point. You know, it's like you're there and you're providing your female perspective behind it. Um, And, you know, how has it been, um, you know, working with brands, which are, of course, marketing themselves towards very specific demographics? Um, Some of them are, you know, marketed very much towards men, very much towards women. Um, How would you say your company is split uh, female to male? It's a good question and something we don't think about as much now that we've grown. Um, We still are loyal and have some great brands who target men, but it's probably around 30% of the business, I would say. And the rest is both are a mix. Um, But it is funny, you know, my two co-founders, Tom and Ed, who are in London, are men. And that office has grown up. There's a lot of men. And then... New York, it's because I've been leading it. There actually is, there are more women. Um, it's been interesting. So it balances each other out. I'm curious, like, I, I don't really, again, I was saying before, I don't really believe much in luck or, you know, that things being arbitrary. So, you know, that's interesting that, you know, you've been hiring um, a significant amount of women. Um, dig into that a little bit. I feel very privileged to be in that position. I think that's been one of most satisfying things of having this company and growing it because I felt like I even though I was at this big corporation or maybe because I felt like it was really hard for me to have a good mentor, good manager, um, to be taught and sort of given confidence. And I really think about that a lot um, with the people we're bringing on, especially the women. And so that's been a, that's a really top of mind for me and making sure that I'm able to give that um, opportunity more to people and really help them grow. And I think there's nothing worse than feeling, you know, than feeling like you're sort of stuck in a place and there's no, you're not appreciated. There's no sort of growth opportunity. And so that's really a big pleasure of mine is to make sure that that happens. And I've spent a lot of energy on that. 
which is great. And I mean, how great is that for you to have the opportunity to do it, to be able to give other people opportunities? Um, I mean, that's huge. And, and you know, I think we're, we're just sort of glazing over it or mentor, mentioning it just very quickly. But I mean, that's a huge thing. Um, I can... I can speak personally from having other women, you know, who have been mentors of mine uh, give me those opportunities, and I'm sure you've had them as well. Um, so, you know, it's it's easy to get so hyper-focused on the day-to-day, but, like, I that's why I love these conversations, right? Because it's so wonderful to sort of to just be able to look back reflectively on, on things and to say, like, wow, I'm able to give so many women an opportunity, um, how rewarding that is to them, but to you, I can imagine, as well. Like, what, what does that do for you as a business owner? It's really fantastic to see, and I think I you know, probably consider it a bit more than my male counterparts, which is just sort of sort of part of it. But it really is so rewarding and gratifying to be able to do that. And, um, you know, I think something I want to continue for sure with the with the agency. That's wonderful. And so talk just a little bit about the work that you guys are doing, though. I'd love to hear. I mean, I talk just a little. You can name names or not. <laughs> um, but I'd love to hear some of the, the winnings that you guys have experienced throughout the years. It's been a really exciting few years and a really exciting past year. So we've been lucky enough to work with some great food and beverage brands. So we're the partner for... Campari Group for Grand Marnier, which have helped across a year launch a new product. Um, one of my favorite clients is this fast fashion brand out of Europe called Primark. So they're such a joy to work with because they're huge in Europe, huge in the UK, and not very well known here. So our job has been really to help raise their brand awareness in the US. And we they have this very strong brand story and brand identity which we took to heart in creating really an influencer strategy around that. You know, what type of influencers, what type of content they're going to produce. Um, For them, every piece of content they produce has to have something energetic in it. We want some activity, some motion. Um, And then we've also set a pop of color of the the Primark rainbow because they're very into um, color and inclusivity um, and it really comes across in the content that influencers are producing. It all feels cohesive and, and on brand for them. And that's been really exciting to help grow that. Um, and then we've done some fabulous campaigns. Not only just we do a lot with influencers, um, of course, creating the strategy and producing the content. We also do some campaigns we call Content House, which are finding small nano-influencers and creatives who have some digital audience to create what we call social first content just for the brands to post. So we're not engaging for their big reach, but really just for content creation. And those are some of my favorite projects because we can really think of outside of the box, creative ideas, hire engaged people who are food artists, stylists, photographers, videographers, um, and really create interesting, dynamic, static content. So one we did for NARS that I loved was um, five of NARS's hero products. The names are all inspired by cinema and film history. So we had each creator do sort of their own interpretation of 
the film. So one was Dolce Vita, you know, the Fellini, one was an Andy Warhol. Um, and those are so much fun because we use collage artists, like I said, photographers, stylists, to create really exceptional content that we know is going to be engaging on social. And so our idea is, you know, go to the actual source who know what works, um, but to really sort of push them creatively too. So those are some of my favorite projects. I mean, those sound incredible. Like, those sound so great. I mean, I love hearing about all aspects of people who work in this industry. Um, you know, we're all working on the same projects, but from different vantage points. Um, and so part of me is a little envious of like all the creativity that you get to uh, explore all the time being with a creative agency. Um, and so, you know, I guess I'd love to hear what what's the best advice that you could give to um, people who are looking to um, are looking to advance in this industry. Um, you know, what's the best advice that you could give to them in order to advance in the direction that is best for them um, and to advance in a way that's like really fulfilling and, and going to be um, something that they'll stay in for a, a significant amount of time? I'd say it's so important to just, I mean, it sounds obvious, but just read the news and stay on top of what's happening in this industry, but in general, culturally, I think to have those reference points of knowing, um, you know, what's even happening in the art world, in the fashion world, uh, in literature is so important and will, I've, I've seen, is so helpful in across almost all roles, especially creative role. Um, and then I think something they could keep and is, or one sort of bit of advice I'd say is don't, I wish someone had told me, don't stay in a bad situation longer than you have to. You know, I think a lot of people get, and I did, I know you get sort of comfortable, but you also get sort of scared of change and movement. And I think, you know, I think younger people are better at that. They seem to jump more quickly between things than, you know, to my generation. But I'd say don't, you know, feel stuck and stay somewhere. Um, keep moving. Isn't that interesting? I think we are about the same age. And yeah, and I, how interesting of, is that? It's such a unique experience saying like, actually, the generation like after us, so the younger generation, they're actually doing something better than we've done <laughs> and having that experience. But I agree with you um, in that capacity for sure. Um, you know, some people get comfortable being uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Like they sort of just like stay stagnant in they're just used to it or, you know, they just linger on it a little bit. And um, being able to um, just have the the bravery and, and the courage to recognize that it's not working and to act on it sooner than later. Because that's the other thing. You could sit there and try to make it work and make it work and make it work. But like having that intuition that like, this is not working and it's probably not going to work. Um, and just trusting your gut instincts in those ways um, and and looking for better. Um, and so, you know, what advice would you give people listening when it comes to, you know, owning a business? Um, you know, I would consider you very successful having owned your own business for five years in an industry that's like 10 to 15 years old. <laughs> um, and so, you know, what would you tell people? What's the best piece of advice? If you can tell them one thing, um, like this is how to, you know, make it work. Um, what would you say? 
Well, thank you so much. I would say try to be nice to everyone because it is such a small world. It's such a small industry and it's always shocks me that people keep popping up. You know, you think you meet someone in one brand, they'll move to another. Um, so I'd say that. And then I'd say really also, which I'm working on, is spend time for yourself. I think, you know, employees and your employees actually respect that more. If you say, listen, I actually, I'm healthy. I'm taking time to go to a yoga class or go. I used to feel so guilty about that. Say, I have to be here at my desk. And actually, I realized, you know, I think I'd have more respect if I take time for that. So that's something I'm working on. But I think for all business owners that that's really important. Lead by example and the example being, you know, I don't know, there's like a through line in this conversation. I feel like it's important to be vulnerable. It's important to um, to just uh, to take care of yourself and to be healthy and just to lead by example. I think that's so great. I mean, so important. Um, and so we ask everybody this one question um, who uh, – everybody who's on the podcast, and I'm really looking forward to hearing your answer. Um, what do you wish someone had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or a personal advantage today? Well – not to be repetitive, but I would have said, I wish someone had told me, don't stay in a bad situation longer because I, I think I felt pressure from you know, even my parents and sort of society in a way of, you know, you're at, even if it's a sexy brand name, um, anyway, staying too long. But I think I also wish someone had said um, that a lot of people will tell you you can't do it, or this is going to be too hard. I remember when we first started, there were so many people who told me, well, that's a crazy name. How are you going to stand out? This market's so saturated. And I think um, it weighed me down a lot in the beginning, but I think you, if, if I were told this is normal, like there are going to be so many naysayers um, and just keep going, that would, have been, that would have been great advice to have heard. I think that's great advice to hear. Amazing. So um, I can ask you like a million more questions and I know that people listening are going to want to. So where can everybody find you in order to ask you a few more questions? Well, thank you. I'd be very happy to answer any. So I'm on Instagram. I'm just Permeal because I have this wild name. And spell that for everybody. P-E-R-M-E-L-E. It's such a good name. Thank you. And then I'm Permeal at Billion Dollar Boy, which is another crazy name. I love all the crazy names. It's memorable. It's memorable and it's you. So it's great. Um, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments. So comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org slash heart.